Welcome again to an Art of Relationships podcast uh, with Tim Muehlhoff and Dr. Chris Grace. We are excited to be able to join you guys again with um, just another topic. We're going to talk about all things relationships. Um, we're here at Biola University at the Center for Marriage and Relationships, uh, where you can find um, all kinds of cool things, blogs and podcasts and videos and things like that. And Tim, one of the topics that we feel passionate about, that we have learned and, and spoken on, but also uh, it is just an important topic uh, for anyone, and that is um, the topic of friendships, uh, right. how we go about navigating those, yeah. processing them, uh, becoming um, more involved in the lives of somebody does some amazing things when we uh, when we become friends and when we navigate that. So let's talk about it. What do you it's think? It's probably one of our most requested topics because yep. uh, that affects um, married couples. It affects singles. It affects everybody. And, you know, all these studies that are out there about quality of life is really tied to the quality of our relationships and the danger of isolationism uh, has devastating impact on us psychologically uh, emotionally, spiritually. So uh, friendships yeah. really help us get past any situation. It's so funny, you know, Eastern Michigan University, where I graduated from, was not the top pillar, you know, place. Uh, but I had good friends. Mm -hmm. And good friends make any situation bearable. Because mm -hmm. uh, you can just laugh together, you can um, talk about misery together. So mm -hmm. friendships are huge. Everybody wants them. But people do struggle with how to go deeper in your friendships, how to cultivate them and foster them and nurture them. You know, it's not only the most requested, we get a lot of questions about friendships, uh, navigating yeah. them and difficulties. And so probably, Tim, let's spend some time then uh, over the next podcast or two, <clears throat> just kind of going over uh, some different things that have come up and what we've learned from yeah. your area of communication and then my area of psychology. And uh, what do you think? We've been collecting these questions all along, and now we have a bunch of them. And we thought we'd just take a podcast or two and tackle some of the top questions when it comes to friendship. Chris, why don't you start us off with the very first one? Yeah, basically, um, this person writes and asks, how does modern technology, particularly social media, influence the development and maintenance of friendships today? So, um, Tim, this, we, we've done this before as far as talking about some impact of social media yeah. and technology, but it is clearly beginning to shape and define yeah. this, this area of friendships, of all relationships. It has a huge impact. So what do you think? Yeah, I think it's impacted it in both good and bad ways. Uh, you know, we used to talk about friendships. We had like two broad categories, uh, friends of the road and friends of the heart. Yeah. It used to be that friends of the road, it just kind of suffered a little bit. We were friends because we're in the same geographic location. But when you move, the friendship just really suffers. Now with social media, you really can overcome the distance between us. Yeah. For example, Noreen's really good friend is her sister. And um, so when we just had a graduation with one of our kids, she was there, not yeah. physically, but we, we brought her in, we FaceTimed her, right. and she's there with all of her daughters, and we're just laughing, and the kids are talking to each other. It was almost as if she was just right there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty of social media is that, man, distance is not an option anymore, and you really can overcome that. And so we just feel like... Um, it was a great situation, and I have a friend in Canada. We have been separated from each other for about, I want to say, 20 years. Mm -hmm. We haven't 
physically been in the same place and now we're not even the same country. I feel like our friendship has grown deeper through yeah. phone calls, text messages. Yeah. Uh, we Facebook each other. We send each other goofy pictures all the time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do think the positive thing about social media is distance really isn't a factor anymore. Yeah. Connection, intimacy, keeping up with each other, uh, ready access. Uh, you can just simply call somebody yeah. uh, in, in the past today. Now, boy, the ability to message or text or really just contact somebody is pretty, pretty. And then everybody usually has a phone with them now. So yeah. it's, it can be such a blessing. And then, of course, that comes with some hidden costs, doesn't it? And then some surprises that we're finding when it comes to the way we process things in the brain. And, yeah. and let's talk about that. Um, well, I would say the biggest negative one is that every friendship will have disagreements. Uh, I'd, be, I'd question a friendship that never had a disagreement. I think it's through those disagreements that you can really grow. But here's the, like, if you and I had a disagreement, um, we're taking cues off each other right away. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're sitting there and, and um, I'm not raising my voice because mm -hmm. you're sitting right there and I'm not being snarky. And so we can pull it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. But let's say that I send you a snarky email uh -huh. and I'm just mad, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm doing it in real time or a text. Man, I bold a couple things. I put a couple things in all caps. Mm. Uh, we call that disinhibition. Mm. Because we're not face-to-face, -face, I can just let my emotions have full reign. I can say things that I, I just wouldn't say in public mm -hmm. uh, in front of you. So I think disinhibition is a big one that I think kind of uh, can creep into uh, social-mediated disagreements and arguments. I, it's it's also you know given rise to ways in which we try and mediate the 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 words we use or the tone right yeah. emoticons that say I'm I'm happy I'm sorry I'm sad right. I'm angry I'm doing this to kind of give us the nonverbal that we're missing and lacking sometimes right that we read yeah. and so we can send over a ha ha or whatever it is that tells us okay hold on here I'm just kind of not as angry as I think. And, and you know, we're trying to create uh, the nonverbal, you know, channel that we've lost in face-to-face. -face. Have you ever, um, I've done this a couple of times where I'm having a conversation with a person via texting or emails, and it's it's sort of kind of going south. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like I'm negatively interpreting a couple of things, like, well, what did you mean by that? And that yeah. that didn't seem right. And there's just been a couple of times I've said, forget this, I'm calling them. Yeah. And I'll call them and say, hey, just a quick clarification yeah. on, and they're like, oh, dude, I was kidding. I was totally yeah. kidding. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you were. So that's what I think the danger is of social media is an email. I mean, we've all received emails where you just sat and stewed on this mm -hmm. email. Right. And I think texting is a little bit better because it's immediate. You can get there pretty quickly to say, hey, can you clarify and things like that. Um, Twitter, I think it affords all that kind of stuff. So we just, I think what we're trying to say is, perception checking mm -hmm. needs to happen in social media just as much as it happens in face-to-face -face interactions. I, I think, Tim, another issue that I worry about when it comes to, to some social media stuff is less about the, the, the vehicle itself, the texting, mm -hmm. the iMessaging, whatever it is. I, I think th those can be navigated, and, and we do them pretty well uh, today. Our Young, you know, young people today have just the ability to navigate this world and connect with each other yeah. and talk, and they have their own rules and they figure out things, and it and it and it creates a great place for friendship. I think the other negative that I worry about with social media, with being with technology, when it comes to friendships, is the allure 
of the uh, update, the allure of the ding, the allure and the pull from my attention when I'm talking to someone face-to-face. And then all of a sudden what happens is I'm fearing the fear of missing out or there's actually a a joy that we get when someone sends a message to us that's not in the room and that begins to take over now and I'm constantly being distracted. And I think what happens is we lose... Uh, our ability to be present in the moment with some people, um, and that giving of our attention is such a powerful thing, but it also can also tell the other person that I'm standing with, I'm more interested in this message right now. I'm more interested in this text than I am in you, and that can damage a friendship if there is concern about that. Yeah. Well, boy, what do we need to do about it? That's the thing. Yeah. I think you said. I think you figure out. Like right now, as you and I are talking, and we, I, I've noticed we've both done this. We, that phone stays put aside. Yeah. It, it's put there. There's a, a special ring. You know, I have a friend who will never answer his phone when I'm sitting there talking with him, unless it rings twice with his, you know, with his wife's special ringtone. Then he knows. Okay, the first time she rings, I don't answer it. The second time is okay. I need to answer this because we have a little rule that says yeah. I will not call you twice unless it's important. Yeah. So those kinds of things, I think establishing ahead of time that you will not be distracted by or you will put aside and you will give somebody the gift of your attention, the gift of your presence. See, and I think this is one of the benefits of biblical fasting. Mm. Fasting is rooted in this idea of I'm going to give up one thing so I can focus on another thing. Now, traditionally in biblical fasting, I give up, let's say, food or drink so I can focus on prayer. But that same principle can be used in a lot of different ways. For example, I can say, um, this weekend, I'm not going to look at my technology. Yeah. I'm going to fast from it. And, and maybe a weekend's too much. But mm-hmm. to take a day or even a half a day. You know, I, I've had my students try to do this, Chris. Mm-hmm. I've actually assigned this. And I've joined them, which was just a colossal mistake. <laughs> um, it is really hard. And the first time I assigned it, my students came back and they had flunked it massively. All I asked them to do was to take three days. The first day, they were allowed one hour of social media totally. That's it. Second day, they were allowed a half hour. And then the third day, they had no social media whatsoever. Huh. And Chris, when we came back, everybody, I think it was 100% reported, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And it bothered me that I couldn't do it. Yeah. So then we did it in another week, and people did much, much better. But I think that's what uh, – denying ourselves this instant gratification of social media, mm-hmm. which Noreen and I have noticed so often. Just the other day, uh, all my boys are home, except one of them is here at Biola. We're all watching TV, and all of us had our laptops out, and one uh, of my kids had a phone out, and yet we're all watching TV. Mm-hmm. See, watching TV is boring now. That's what scares me, Chris, is just watching TV is boring. You need something else. And that's that, man, that scares me. It does. You know, I'm reminding of this uh, of the survey that was done and a research study by Popular Mechanics, and they asked and they, they did this. What are the gadgets that change the world? Huh. And they listed number ten was the light bulb, number seven was the telephone, number five was the personal computer, right? TV was number three gadgets <laughs> that change the world, and the number one gadget was the was the phone. Uh, the yeah, cell phone. Yeah. And so smartphones, you know, they, they they have all these amazing numbers, but what it can do today and the way in which we can use it to stay connected with people, it's amazing. 
but it has done and has changed the way we connect and relate with each other. You know, I, uh, I came across a New York Times writer who did a really interesting thing. You know how we have Facebook friends? Mm. Well, <clears throat> I think he said he had 830 Facebook friends, but in the greater New York area, he actually had 230 of those Facebook f- uh, friends were right there. So here's what he did, Chris. This was fascinating. He rented a a section of a restaurant and invited all of his local Facebook friends to come. So that was like roughly 220, 230, something like that. Guess how many came? I don't know. Two. So here's what he said. I call them Facebook friends, but are they really friends? And again, I could get that some people just couldn't make it, but two out of 230... So yeah. let's be careful how, you know, um, and again, I'm not one of those people that disparages social media mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. I, I think we can have deep friendships. I think our friendships can grow. I, I think the same criteria we use to judge face-to-face friendships yeah. um, can also be used uh, to judge social media friends. And I think you can actually foster really good friends. Yeah. It, you know, you some of the research out there, like you that New York Times article and, and the Popular Mechanics, there's another one in Time Magazine. Um, and the mobile technology company Qualcomm, they did a survey of 5,000 smartphone users in eight countries. And they asked them, how did it change their lives? You know what the most common response was? Huh. They said it brought them in closer contact with their friends and family and helped them be better informed. And so they said almost 75% of the respondents in every country, these were in eight different countries, agreed that this constant connection was mostly positive. And so that's that's the good news, right? Now, the bad news was the obsessive need they found to remain connected was growing so strong that most people, 60% of users, don't even go more than an hour hour without checking their phone. And then more than half said they checked their phones while in bed before going to sleep upon waking (laughs) and even during the night. And if you look at only 18 to 34-year-olds, they're doing that up to 74% said they're doing this constantly. Wow. First thing. So that idea, you know, what's what's interesting about connecting that way, it sometimes leads us to disconnect from those we're in connection with physically because we're so distracted by that. So those are the things that we worry about when it comes to friendships. So Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's really good. Hey, let's go on to a second yep. question. This is a really thoughtful question. What is self-awareness and why is self-awareness important in communicating with others? Mm-hmm. Um, boy, that it's a great question. Self-awareness is a huge issue. Yep. And in calm, we distinguish between two different things, self-perception mm-hmm. and self-esteem. Uh-huh. So self-perception would be, um, if listeners have ever seen a picture of me, I do not have hair. <laughs> that is self-perception. Self-esteem is, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. And I feel good, baby. <laughs> no, I mean, no, how do you feel about that? I, I, I feel good about that. I could equally feel bad about that. But so self-perception of things like your height, um, this is my social economic status, uh, this is my job, uh, my friends. But self-esteem is how do you feel about all these facts? So you're single, let's say. Well, right. that, that could be a negative thing, a positive thing. And your friends are going to, by and large, help you mm-hmm. determine if it's good or bad. So your friends have a huge say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in your self-esteem. You know, I was a high school wrestler, Chris. I like to think of this metaphor when I think of friendship. I was a high school wrestler. And high school wrestling is just a study in fear. It's just... it's 
fear. Mm-hmm. You walk out there. Remember those guys in high school, Chris, who looked like they were 35? <laughs> remember those guys? It's like, dude, you're 35. Why are you in high school? I had to wrestle those guys. But I remember my coach, you know, between rounds and wrestling, he'd always be in my ear. Uh-huh. And he'd say, Mulehoff, you can do this. Mulehoff, you're better than this guy. Get out of here. Go out there and pin this guy. Your friends are like that. Mm-hmm. They're always whispering in your ear, and it can either be positive or negative. So friends really do establish your level of self-awareness and your level of self-esteem. So pick your f- friends very carefully. No, that's a great point. Uh, you know, uh, in psychology, we talk about this. People often say that they're friends with somebody, uh, and you ask them, why are you friends with this person? And they have this kind of it's a pretty what we call simple theory of liking. And it says this, while the common assumption is we're friends with somebody and we're attracted to them because they have special qualities, like they're witty or they're wise or they're kind. Thank you. <laughs> Just thank you. That was... Or they have a tattooed head. <laughs> but the second most interesting, I think, kind of finding has been in the area of friendships in psychology is it's not so much this this assumption that we're attracted to people and we're friends with them because of this what special qualities they have. Instead, a more accurate answer is it's because of how I feel when I'm with this person. Oh, we yeah. call this the reward theory of attraction, right? I like this person because I feel this way with them, right? We like those who reward us. They pay attention to us. Yeah. And so your they notion- They laugh at our jokes. They laugh at our jokes That's and right. their voice, what we hear That's them right. speaking right. to us. And we associate them with good feelings, yep. right? So <laughs> those two ideas that we like people that we associate with good feelings- we like people who reward us and pay attention to us, and therefore, that tells you how important that voice is, those, that self-awareness, but that talk yeah. of, this person says nice things or pay attention to me. And, and again, that's a fascinating study and finding, of course, when it comes to friendships. Yeah, that's huge. The, the, the rewards that you get. Um, but going back to this person's question, the beginning part of it, mm-hmm. um, why is self-awareness so important? Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting question that we wrestle with in calm on our, the calm side of things. So let's say you have a certain level of self-esteem. What would it take for a friend or another person to actually change your self-esteem, how you mm-hmm. feel about yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, we have three different criteria by which I would allow another person to change uh, my impression that I have of myself. We call this, by the way, cognitive conservatism, mm-hmm. which means once my self-esteem is set, it's really hard to change. Uh-huh. So here are three criteria that we use, whether we're going to allow a person's opinion to shape us. Uh, question number one, do we find this person to be competent? Mm-hmm. So this is interesting. Like, um, So you're talking to a friend and that friend wants to encourage, since we're both professors, uh, wants to encourage our teaching. And says, oh, you're the greatest. You're, you're an awesome teacher. And I look at that friend and I say, well, hey, thank you so much for saying that. But you're not a teacher. You're not a professor. So I don't know if that's going to change how I view myself being a professor. I, I, think, I think if you were to say something about my teaching, Chris, it would it'd be different because I view you as being competent. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting that some of our friends, our compliments are like water off the back of a dock. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to make any difference whatsoever you know, to this person. The second question is, is the message general or is it specific in nature? Mm-hmm. So in other words, a student could say in one of my classes, oh, bio professors are just the best. Mm-hmm. That won't necessarily change my uh, self-esteem because it was too general. Mm-hmm. If that professor said, Dr. Mulehoff, mm-hmm. when you teach, I hear the voice of Jesus. <laughs> All right. That makes a difference because it was specific. Then the last one, I think this is Fascinating. 
is it reasonable? Mm-hmm. So if, if you came up to me, Chris, and said, you are the best teacher I have ever heard in my life, mm-hmm. my first reaction would be, Chris, you need to get out more. <laughs> you just <laughs> need to get out more. But I, I think, you know what I mean? It's like, Chris, I could receive from you that you think I'm a good teacher. But to think, I, I'm thinking of people here at Biola, mm-hmm. right? So isn't that fascinating that these three questions, we judge whether a friend's input is really going to stick or not. Yeah. And I, I think what happens is it gives us this sense of we can either dismiss it, and I would probably do this pretty quickly based upon, Tim, who that person is and, and with these criteria. Yeah. And I think um, <clears throat> we also take into account a number of things when it comes to this. So we we think about the way in which a person um, is is it has an impactful you know is important to us, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we want them to speak in, and we look up to them, and so this respect. And so some people when they speak have a much higher impact, or of course, right? very yeah. different. Go ahead. This brings up a, a weird issue with our spouses. Let's mm-hmm. tackle this for a quick question, because of course we want to be friends with our spouses. So <clears throat> your spouse. Though you know they love you, your, your spouse loves you, you know your spouse is absolutely committed to you, but it might be this really weird situation where your spouse doesn't actually encourage you, right? Yeah. Because you can imagine a scenario where one spouse says to another, oh, honey, I just think you're the greatest, yeah. right? And that person says, yeah, well, um, uh, unfortunately, my boss doesn't think that. Other friends don't think that. And of course, you think I'm the greatest. You're my spouse. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's interesting that you just discounted yeah. your spouse's opinion. Because I, because of why, Chris? Because yeah. you just assume you, yeah. you have to say that because you're my spouse. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and it's really unfortunate because I think what it means is that we need to almost have an agreement so so in 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 my marriage what I'll what we will say is we will always be uh speak the truth in love we will we will share these kinds of things and 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 ask for someone to be a ask for each of us to be as objective as possible when we're talking about something that's very impactful, like, Lise, how did that go? How this conversation now, go? do you believe her, though? Did, well, I asked her, I said, Lise, we have to really <clears throat> trust each other. Okay, I know okay, you're go- okay. But I know you're going to be biased toward me. But I, and and <clears throat> so I can read the more subtle changes, yeah. but you're right. It can, be, huh? it can become a, almost like a, did like this a go darned well? if you do, darned if yeah. you don't, if you're that spouse. Yeah. You know, I have a good friend of mine, his name's Tim, and he's a gifted writer. He has won multiple awards. He, he won uh, Chris. Christianity Today's Book of the Year Award in Evangelism. His name's Tim Downs. Um, So I've given him my writing, okay, to look at. And he will say to me, okay, what do you want from me right now? I said, uh, I want unabashed praise. (laughs) And he would say, it's great. Best thing I've ever written. It's just awesome. Okay, thank you. Now, what do you really think? And he'll say to me, okay, listen, it's good. I yeah. didn't get this yeah. part, and I thought this part could be stronger. Yeah. So I really do receive what he has to mm-hmm. say. One, and think think of the criteria we just did. Yeah. Competent, absolutely, yep. he's competent. He's yep. won awards. Yep. Second, he's speaking to me, not just generally t- in speaking in generalities. Mm-hmm. And then last, um, I, I think um, he is reasonable with me. Yeah. He's not going to say, Tim, this is, I just wait, the Pulitzer is on its way, right? <laughs> so I, I, interesting that, that certain, so we probably have different categories of friends, right? Yeah. That we look to for comments. I, I think we do. I think we have different categories. I also think that, you know, some of the passages that I think about when it comes to friendships, you know, um, 
you know, the, the idea of walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fool suffers harm, says, mm. you know, the proverb. Mm. Uh, but the idea, too, about listening to advice, um, but one who has an unreliable or has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Yeah. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I, I, I love the idea of the way in which we can uh, find uh, hope. You know, the, the whole story of Job as well, you know, when his friends set out, they said, when they heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. Mm. And, you know, they didn't speak. I, I believe they sat there for three days without oh, wow. speaking, just sitting there with a the person. So I think in terms of quality of friendships and who's impactful and what it means, we oftentimes find those that our deep soulmates, those that we know can speak into our lives. And uh, sometimes uh, those become so critical for us to understand and navigate things. They see things and they know our hearts. They know who we are. So, And what a, what a valued commodity yep. to have one or two or three yep. people that you know are on your side, yep. but will tell you exactly. Well, the, you know, and, and obviously you have to couch it. You can't, yep. nobody can handle raw truth. But to have those people that'll step in and say, hey, here's what I, I do think about this. Yeah. And that's valuable. And I love what John said in 15. He talked about, you know, uh, Jesus was talking about his command. He said, love each other as I have loved you, right? Greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. And then he says, you are my friends yeah. if you do what I command. Yeah. I no longer call you servants. I have said, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. That isn't a, now there's something to talk about. What does that mean? What does that mean? And you know, we could take that three criteria as we wrap this up. We could apply it right to God, right? We could say, is he competent? And don't be so quick to answer yes on that, right? Mm. I mean, some of us feel like God's given up a little bit Mm. of his uh, credibility because our child did get sick. Mm -hmm. We did lose our job. Mm. So don't be so quick just to say, yeah, of course, God's competent to speak Mm. into my life. Mm. No, I mean, be honest with God. I love what Lewis said, pray not what's supposed to be in you, pray what's in you. Mm -hmm. The second one is, and I think this is, Chris, where... Christians really struggle. Remember, it's the, is it specific or general? Mm. So I think a lot of people would say, well, yeah, I mean, uh, God loves everybody. Mm. He loves all humans. He loves all Christians. Mm. He even loves all Christians equally. But this is where I think it's important to apply the scriptures to yourself individually and to say, you know what? Jesus died for me. God loves me as a specific individual. And then the last one is, is it reasonable? Mm. Boy, that's an interesting one. Is it reasonable to think that I was worthy of Christ's death, yeah. that that he loved me that much? So I, I think it'd be easy to say, well, of course, God should have massive impact on your self-esteem. Mm. But I think for a lot of Christians, that may not be true. Mm. They, their self-esteem isn't radically changed mm-hmm. by how God feels. And that's, that's a hard issue they're going to need to wrestle with. Well, Chris, this is a great topic, man. We can continue. We just scratched the surface. I think we covered two or three questions readers have sent. I think we'll continue doing this. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Thanks for joining us today again. And Tim, thanks for these great insights that you have. I I think this is a topic that um, has such great impact uh, and of such relevance. And so uh, it's fun to talk about it with you. Would you you say they're the best insights on friendship you've ever heard? I've never heard anything more insightful than what you have said today. 
Thank you. Matt, thank you. That really means a lot. <laughs> if you want to hear even more insightful <laughs> conversations, join us at our next podcast. Thanks for coming and enjoying us at The Art of Relationships. Go to cmr.biola.edu for more information and uh, background and, and just different things that we have on there. So it's great talking with you. Take care. All right. Bye, you all.